I looked at property management and I thought, you know what, like when I actually dig down to what, what the team does, what people do and as property managers, it is so much about you know negotiation, problem solving, relationship building, being able to mitigate potentially larger issues. And, and I think whilst you don't get the glory of a sales uh, sales agent and the, and the big swings and the big ups and whatever, I think it can be such a rewarding job. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Dashlight Insider, the home for property investors seeking a life of freedom, choice, and abundance. And on today's episode, we are talking about one of the most important factors in your property portfolio, and that is property management. We're joined today by Rav Prakash from Kemp Real Estate in Port Lincoln. We talk about what to look for in a good property manager, the differences between residential and commercial, how a property manager supports your portfolio goals. We talk about how to maximize returns, heaps and heaps and heaps of different stuff. Property management, I think, is a very overlooked but really, really critical component of having a successful, profitable property portfolio. And I really think this episode is great because we dig into that a little bit more and I'm confident that you're going to get some new perspectives and some new value out of this. Even if you think property management, that sounds boring. I guarantee you this is actually a really, really interesting discussion where you, I'm confident you're going to walk away with some new perspectives, as I've said. So before we get into it, if you like this episode or even if you haven't listened to it yet and you're like, okay, I just want to add some value. Just share this with someone. Send this to a friend, family, member, or loved one, someone who you think would get benefit from learning more about this topic or becoming a better property investor. And whatever channel you're on, just hit the subscribe button. That'd be awesome as well. And so without any further ado, let's get stuck right into it. And I'll see you on the inside. Welcome back to Dash.Insider. Joining me today is Rav Prakash from Kemp Real Estate in Port Lincoln. And today is a very special day, Rav. Not only is it Property Managers Day, nationally. That's what you told me. But it's also National Lamington Day. Happy National Lamington Day. How are you? Yeah, good thanks, Goose. What a day to be alive, hey? Lamington and Property Managers Day. Indeed. Didn't get any better than that, I reckon. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> so, mate, I'm really excited to have you on. Um, we obviously do a lot of work with uh, you guys down in Port Lincoln and have done over a, a period of time. And I wanted to get, uh, get you on today to have a really good conversation about property management. Now, you are a specialist in this area. You do residential and commercial, which is super useful because we can, we can kind of dig into both of those things. But a reason I wanted to talk about it is I want to sort of dig into, you know, why anyone should even bother using a property manager for, for a start, right? Because I know a lot of people sort of sit there and think, oh, it just cost me all this money. Why wouldn't I just manage the property myself? Which there's a lot of reasons that I think that's a really stupid idea, but it'd be good to kind of tease that out. But but more specifically, like how to choose a good property manager, because as an organization, Dashdot, we've bought a thousand properties or something, you know, over the last few years, we've dealt with all kinds of property managers all over the country. And there is a big difference between a good one and a bad one. And I think that where a lot of people go wrong is that they they don't know what to look for to try and find a good property manager. And so they may end up getting a property manager and then having a bad experience. And then that can actually taint their entire property investment experience because they might have bought a property and now it's all hassle, it's all hard work. And you know, and they start to really question whether even the asset class is good, which is, and I know I'm talking a little bit here and I'll let you get a word in edgeways in a second, but you know, we realized really early on that getting the right property management partners on the ground was as important as finding the right asset. Because you, if you bought the best asset in the world, you were like, yeah, this is going to be a cracker of an investment property. And then you got the worst property manager in that town. The likelihood is our client would not end up wanting to hold that property. They'd end up saying something like, it's too hard. It's too stressful. I'm sick of this shit. I'm just going to get rid of it. And they could actually throw away their financial future. And so to the degree that 
you know, we need to, you know, we, it, it is that important basically to make sure that you get the right people on the bus. So tell me, what do people need to look for to make that? What makes a good property manager? Yeah, really good question, Goose. And thanks for having me on. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. I think to look at what makes a good property manager, you probably need to ask yourself as, a, as an investor or a property owner, you know, what are you actually looking for um, and what are you wanting help for? I guess with property management, there's a lot of different ways it can present itself. It can be, um, you know, a pay-as-you-go service. So, um, you might be a self-managing investor and you think, you know what, I just need someone to do my uh, one bit of a service here. I want someone to just do an inspection or just find me a tenant or just do this and just do that. Um, Understanding, is that you or, or are you someone that's probably not a specialist when it comes to property management? You don't understand fully what the legislation is but you just want to give someone you know that's that whole part of your portfolio to run um you're looking for someone that does a top-to-toe service they find you a tenant you know they do your inspections they collect rent they do all these things i think understanding your requirements first and foremost will help you find a good property manager so i think that's really important does that sort of set the tone a little bit that made it a little bit more ambiguous than I'd realized because I don't actually know that many people who take it in a piecemeal kind of approach. And this is probably also points to like another factor, like one of the, one of the biggest ways that people get stuck when they get think of, when they're thinking about investing is they, they think locally, they think I need to be able to go to the property and because what if something breaks or, you know, what if the tenants are whatever, right? And so that leads them down a path where they think that they can only successfully invest with something that's within to, in something that's within driving distance, so maybe a couple of hours from where they live, which massively restricts their capability to seek out the best opportunities. And that also kind of points to like what you're talking about. If someone was sort of taking a piecemeal approach, like, oh, I'll do all the maintenance, right? I'll deal with all that, but I just need a property manager to help me find tenants. You know, that's sort of like sort of a weird way to think about it. Personally, I have never once thought about trying to take a piecemeal approach to property management. It's always, I want to find someone who's going to manage my asset. You know, it is a significantly high value asset. It's, you know, it's probably several hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe even millions, depending on the asset you've got. And I want a professional who's going to be able to take care of that. Now, the way that I think about it is all in. Right? I'm going to find a partner who's going to run that little business. And the way that I think about real estate is that they are a series of little businesses. It's kind of like you're buying little McDonald's all over the country, except instead of selling burgers, they're selling accommodation solutions. Right. So what you're trying to find is you're trying to find a manager for your accommodation McDonald's. Right. And you might have one in Port Lincoln and you might have one in wherever, Townsville. And so you want to have all these managers all over the place who are taking care of the asset. Which, And if you can work out how to hire well, right, you effectively can hire a good manager anywhere in the country. And so if we kind of take this more all-inclusive approach, what should people be looking for? Like how would someone discern or decipher if they're talking to a good property manager or a bad property manager? If they've just bought a property somewhere and they're like, right, I need to find a property manager. How can they yeah. sort the wheat? They're doing the, they're doing the ring around. Yeah. How can they who's sort the wheat from the chaff? Because I'm sure they all, they're yeah. all, everyone might say the, say the good, <laughs> say good stuff. So how can they sort the wheat from the chaff? Yeah. Well, I think one thing I'll say is don't get caught up on the pricing straight away. Obviously, pricing is important. You're investing, you need to mitigate costs. I get that. But what you want to look for is someone that's actually willing to ask you questions about what you want. Um, and, and when you've got these people, the majority of property managers in our market that we operate in, we all offer the same style of service. Um, we all do the top to toe. It's not like a pick and choose. So 
I think what you want to look for is someone that's actually willing to understand your goals, your needs, and what you're trying to achieve. Really important that they take the time to listen. Um, that's something we like to drive home with our team. Ask your new owner or your potential new client what they are trying to achieve because fundamentally, if you break it down, um, everyone can collect rent. Everyone's got the systems. Everyone's got this new property tech that's available. You know, AI is coming in. It's creating these efficiencies. And for the most part, everyone's got that. But if you've got someone that's willing to ask the questions and actually show their value, so show that they have market knowledge of what's happening. Um, they understand what tenants are doing, what what the what the people um, on the ground are asking for when they're looking to move into a house. Um, can you add a value? Can you value add to the property that you've just bought or the property that you've had for five years? Um, it might be someone that can show that we're, we're having great success by um, maybe putting in a, a shed out the back. And you know, when we people have got shed, we've seen increases in rent by up to a hundred dollars or whatever it is. But having someone that understands your goals and can then actually show a bit of market knowledge and and understand that and interpret what's happening is really important. That's really interesting. It's really interesting because what you were sort of pointing out there is that a good property manager will take the time to not only understand what you want, but also understand what the potential of the asset is, which is really, really interesting. So if we apply a little bit of inversion thinking to that, we can sort of infer what a potentially suboptimal property manager might be like. So for example, they might not really ask many questions about the property. They might not be that interested in the property. In fact, they might just ask questions like, how much do you want to charge for rent? And which is really interesting because on the surface, if a property manager asks their property investor, okay, how, how much would you like to charge for rent or whatever? That might seem like it's an okay thing to do, right? But the reality of the situation is the, the property investor should be saying to the property manager, what is market rent and what can be charged for this? Like, what's a reasonable expectation? And so if the property manager is sort of saying, how much do you want to charge for rent? What do you want to do? And just like pushing all of the, the onus of responsibility back onto the investor, would you agree that that's probably a red flag in terms of, into, would you agree with that? Absolutely. I think, you know, you, you hear the horror stories of this is our fees. We do this, we collect rent. Um, this is what we do, blah, blah, blah. Great. You know, everyone everyone does the same sorts of things. There's probably only a, a small portion of different services that people offer. When you look at it as a big picture, it's it's about the delivery and how you go about it and how property managers are actually doing that and actually understanding what their clients or potential clients want is is just fundamental to it. So to use your example, uh, you know, if, you, if, if you're speaking to a potential property manager and they ask you, what do you think it should rent? I think a, a good property manager might say, look, I've, I've actually done my research. I've seen this property on that same street. We've seen X, Y, Z achieve this. We've actually just leased one um, a couple of streets away and they actually put a bit of time into repainting the interior and what it did was it gave it a new modern feel. And by doing that, they actually attracted a fantastic tenant who was paying probably $60, $70 more or whatever the number is um, than what it was achieving before. So, you know, not all people are going to want to spend the capital when they've just spent a heap of money to buy an asset. But I think if you present the information as a client or as an investor or, or whatever, you can look at that and go, all right, well, this person or these people know what they're talking about. They're trying to add value to what I'm doing and then they're actually wanting to understand what I want to do. Yeah, just because someone says, hey, you could add a share to do a reno and you're going to make money doesn't mean you need to do it. 
but you would certainly prefer to have a manager of your asset who is looking at all the ways you can add value to give you the, effectively the investor being the CEO of their portfolio, giving the CEO all of the information they need to make an effective decision. Okay, we've got to invest any more capital. Should we wait until we get a return on capital before we do? You know, they're all astute decisions that you can make. Let me ask you a question. Why did you get into property management? Because I don't know, like it seems like a pretty hard, seems like hard work. Why did you get into it? <laughs> Why did I get into property management? So I'm relatively new to the industry compared to say people within our office. So I'm, I'm three years into it. Um, came over from a very different background, corporate sector, um, agricultural industry, but looked at looked at the rental side of what the team does and how they go about it. And I, I found some some great things that appealed to me. So the problem solving element of it, the relationships are important. I think everyone thinks about real estate agents and they go, salespeople relationships, really key, really important. Negotiation skills for sales agents, fundamental. But I looked at property management and I thought, you know what, like when I actually dig down to what what the team does and what what people what people do and as property managers, it is so much about, you know, negotiation, problem solving, relationship building, being able to mitigate potentially larger issues and and I think whilst you don't get the glory of a sales uh, sales agent and the and the big swings and the big ups and whatever, I think it can be such a rewarding job and it is such a rewarding job. Um we actually just coincidentally were talking amongst ourselves yesterday about, you know, the eighty twenty rule or the ninety ten rule or whatever you want to call it, where sometimes that small portion, the twenty percent or the ten percent of what you do can can really weigh you down. But for 80 or 90% of the time, what you're doing is just kicking goals, fantastic stuff, doing all this sort of stuff. And when we actually sat down and talked about all the, all the great things that we actually are able to do in people's journey, whether it's you know achieve a great result for an investor or, or hand the keys over to um, a young family that's just moved to town and, and see the joy of them you know, taking that next step in their journey, we're really fortunate to be able to do that. And yeah, I'm really grateful that I get to be a part of a part of that in people's lives. Nice. Love it. So let's get into some kind of practical stuff, right? So we've sort of touched on what might make a good property manager, but if somebody if somebody wanted to maximize the rents on their portfolio, right? If they're thinking, okay, interest rates are going up, I need to squeeze a bit more juice out of the portfolio. Have you got any kind of tips on how investors can think about maximizing their rental returns? Yeah. So I think it's, it's definitely understanding where what is happening in that market so if you speak to your property manager and actually get their feedback on you know what are you what are you seeing is happening there what can i do to my property or what can we do differently to, to better achieve a better return we've been recently going through our lease renewals are a great time to have really good open conversations with our owners and understand um where they're at because just because someone's said their goals were xyz um at one point doesn't mean they're the same four years later or even a year later, things change, you know? So being able to actually look at, well, what is the value add that I can do to achieve a better result? Or, you know, I've had a, the same tenant in there for a while. Where are they at? What's happening? Is there any room for growth there? I think there are a few things that, that are definitely worth considering. If you haven't got the ability to do big bits of capital, there's still little things if you, if you can dig deep and, and see what, what can we do to to change this up. Not everyone's got the ability to go redo the kitchen or put in a new bathroom or build a shed, but um, or put in solar or you know do these big projects. But it, it could just be little things like, or maybe we said update a few little bits and pieces in the bathroom. Painting is the one that we're seeing currently in our market is having a huge impact. Um, 
whether it be interior or exterior, um, it's just brightening up, you know, homes of all different ages and giving them a new new sort of lease on it all. So Yeah, it's funny because um, painting is the lowest cost, highest perceived value, right? So it's actually, it's got the highest, specifically the highest return ratio of anything you can do on the property because the cost of painting is like, because it's so visual, it's large, right? You paint a wall versus putting a fixture or fitting on a wall, right? It's a big, it makes a big impact, but the relative cost is quite low. And so it is dollar for dollar, the best thing you can do on your asset is paint. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's awesome. The result and the results so, so clear to see and the feel, you know, it's hard if you, if you can't get to your, your investment property, it's hard to understand the feel, but something like that is so good. Probably the other one that we're seeing as well, um, carpets, you know, getting some updated updated carpets, maybe something that probably um, yep, it needs to be replaced often, but gets, gets often neglected. And even just curtains, blinds, you know, that sort of stuff. There's some really good low-cost low options out there that, um, you know, we're seeing uh, more and more uh, owners take take the option to do it. And it does, you know, to a lesser extent, um, add that bit of brightness. Painting is still the number one, I agree. So, Yeah, nice, nice. I'm going to steer this. We're going to dodge around a little bit because I want to ask, I, had, I thought of a few more questions I want to ask about selecting a, a good property manager because there's different there's different kind of models, right, that, as far as I understand it. Sometimes there's like a, what do they call it, like a portfolio model where one property manager has a portfolio of properties and then there's another type of model, which is the pod model, where there'll be like a few key players and everyone's got those kind of like specific roles. Yeah, someone does leasing, someone does inspection, someone does um, maintenance, sure. Wh- which one's better? Why? What's the kind of key difference? Because again, this is a, I'm trying to think through all of the roadblocks that people have when they're thinking about hiring a property manager. We're going to talk about fees in a, in a bit more in a minute as well. It, does the structure matter? Like, should somebody be? Is this is this something that people should be looking out for? Or how do, how can I understand it? Now, nah, I've seen. The, it's probably not going to give you the, the magic bullet answer that everyone's looking for, but I think both models work. It's just about how information is communicated back to you, um, and how within that team they, the property managers or the leasing specialists or whatever, um, how they interact with each other and present the information. So with a portfolio-based model, just to elaborate on that, so that's where your property manager or your portfolio manager, they are responsible for uh, advertising the property. They do the condition report, the routine inspections. If the tenant's got an issue, they call um, that person. If the owner's got an issue or a question, they call that person. So that portfolio manager or property manager is the one-stop shop. Um, which you know can offer a, a really really high level of service and a personalised touch, um, and I guess the other one you're talking about is where um, if an organisation has uh, one or or a team of people that do advertising and leasing, a team of people that do uh, inspections, and a team of people that um, do maintenance, and and then there's an overriding sort of manager perhaps that um, it might seem like they're managing a really high number of properties. For that one person but they've actually got a team supporting all the functions so both can work really well like we speak to agencies all around australia um what we chose to do for us in our market was go the portfolio model because that's what worked for the team we've got the size of our organization our structure you know we're a one office sort of set up and um when we asked our clients what what was working for them and what they preferred that's what they said so we went with that but my point about the other model is, I guess, if people are looking for um, 
a one-stop shop. Sometimes if the organization isn't set up with their internal processes and you call up your um, your contact and you say, hey, um, the last routine inspection, um, I did notice there was something in there, um, what's happening there? And, you know, you get the, oh, look, I didn't actually do that. I'll follow up. I'll come back to you, um, you know, and it takes a little bit of time to come back to you. That's where there can be a bit of a downfall with that sort of structure. So, you know, naturally, human nature is, as a society, we're wanting answers straight away and we want to know things quick. Um, and, and that's fair enough. I'm the same with, you know, with my banking, say. But um, I think that's, I guess, looking out for those pitfalls the questions you can ask are, you know, what if you're trying to choose between the two, it, it can be, well, what are your, what are your processes? You know, if, if someone's doing inspections, you know, how is that information shared amongst your team? If I've got a question, who do I go to? How long can I reasonably expect to get a response? That sort of stuff can help you sort of identify, I guess, what that team structure is like and is it working? Is it good? Yeah. Nice. Nice. It's a solid. And it's going to be different based on those two different structures. So feel free to just talk about what you know, that's okay. But like, what's the ideal maximum number of properties that a property manager would have? Like, because that's another question people could ask is like, how many properties do you manage? And if they're like, I manage 2,500 properties, then you might be like, okay, I'm probably not going to get a lot of focus here. So what is it? What's an ideal number? Yeah. So um, again, it'll be different for each structure because if you look at that model where you've got um, different teams or different individuals doing different elements of the role. So uh, like I mentioned, advertising, leasing, um, inspections, maintenance, and then you've got an overriding property manager that you know might say they can do 200 properties. That might be a good number. Um, but I, I guess if someone says, I'm managing 200 properties, you want to ask them, well, okay, how how are you doing that? And if they say, well, I've got a team that helps me do this, this, and this. Okay, cool. So what sort of, what type of properties have you got? You know, have you got a unit block complex that is made up of 50 properties where things may be really similar across them? So to, to get information back to you, if you, if you bought an apartment and, and you, you need some info straight away, they're probably going to be able to answer questions about, about that really quickly. Um, have you got a portfolio spread across hundred Ks? You know, is, is that then going to stretch you when you're trying to get around to, to do different bits and pieces or, or stretch your team to do that? So, whereas if you've got a portfolio base where that person's doing everything, I think those questions are still relevant for our team. We look at about 120 to 125 per person is really achievable when they're that sole property manager that does everything. But that works for, for our market because things are really close together. So, I think same sort of thing. Everyone's after, after that magic number. So much of it, it's about the structure and the tech that, that the people have got, the property managers got behind them. But as an investor and as a, a person looking for the right property manager, I think the questions that you ask are, are around types of properties you manage, um, geographical spread, demographic spread even, or you know, are they in, a, um, in different parts of a town? Say for us, we might have a marina property versus a, a unit versus a something in a lower socio economic area probably doesn't quite apply to as many metro regions but for a regional region it's a great great question to ask you know what what sort of what are the different sorts of, of properties you're managing because what that then also brings with it is it is different types of tenants you know you might have some corporate tenants you might have some teachers government tenants all, all different sorts of things you know we, we can go on and on about it but yes yeah, so yeah. to kind of like to kind of push that to its edges to try and make 
that make a little bit more sense. It's like if if you had a property manager who specialised, their one hundred percent of their properties were in low socioeconomic areas, and then you just bought a ten million dollar waterfront mansion. Are they going to have you know? Is that going to be the right fit? Basically, is, is is the right question. Vice versa, vice versa. If you've if you've bought a like a studio flat uh, in a low socioeconomic area, and then you're trying to get a, a property manager who only deals with high end luxury, is that going to be the right fit? So you want to find the right. You want to find someone who's going to understand you and your assets, and also the type of people who are going to be the best fit for those assets, because they're effectively going to be the ones. That are going to be reviewing the tenants. Obviously, the 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 owner gets the say. At the end of the day, who's going to move in? But but you want them to be looking at it with the right lens and providing you with the right recommendations. I want to ask about commercial in a second. But before before we go into commercial, one of the things I want to ask you about is: Do you have any tips for property investors to minimise downtime between when they settle and when the property is tenanted? If you've got any tips on how to how to like. Obviously, in an ideal scenario, assuming they're buying a property that doesn't have a tenant in it, right? In an ideal scenario, it'd be tenanted the day after it settles, right? So, but how can we minimize that downtime uh, for property investors? Any tips? Absolutely. I think one thing we're seeing work really well in our market is at a contract of sale level, actually incorporating clauses into that that allow you, once the, pro- uh, once the contract is unconditional, so leading up to settlement, that allows you to actually, whether you use the photos that are already available or you, you allow a property manager or, or an agency to get in there and take some photos, show people through, um, start the basic leasing process. So although the property technically isn't yours, contractually, if you can ask your vendor to agree agree with that to happen, um, we're seeing that that's mitigating that sort of downtime or, or like, what do we call it, non-revenue generating days for you. Um, absolutely. Like uh, some vendors might be a bit unsure about it, but um, I think if you present that present that option, um, we're having some great success with that. And it does give us as a property manager the chance to get in there, do the process. We might have people that we can, we might even have to advertise. You might have people that are ready to go on your books, um, that have missed out on properties, fully qualified, great tenants. Um, I think getting the ability to get into the property before settlement show people through that is that is probably the number one tip nice love it what about setting rules for portfolio for your portfolio for, for property managers you know like how can so a couple of things that i can think of um that i'll seed and i'd love to get your perspective on you know for example trying to minimize the the effort required for the investor now because i we've got a few properties some of our property managers, despite the fact that we've said, "Hey, anything under like five hundred bucks, just just go for it," they still, they still, there seems to be a sort of like a, "Hey, the toilet's leaking. What should we do?" And it's like, well, I don't know. Is it like less than five hundred dollars, or like what's the what's the go? It's like that's like slightly frustrating. You know, it's like, what do you mean? What should we do? You, you're you're managing the asset. Like, come and tell, say, hey here's the toilet's leaking, by the way, here's the proposed solution and it's, you know, it all just sorted out. So setting rules, um, how do you think about that and how do you think about um, time minimization and, or, and streamlining of process for investors? And then also another thing I'd love to get your commentary on is the idea of putting all of the costs of the property through property management. So rather than, you know, getting the rates notice you set to get sent to your address and stuff, get everything sent to the property manager's address and try and get as much stuff as possible paid out of the rent or through the trust account as a, as a part of the process as well. So can you talk to me a little bit about how to set some rules or your thoughts around any of that stuff? 
Absolutely. And again, it comes back to what we've already talked about, I reckon, Goose. Like, if you can get a good property manager that asks all these questions and sets the rules at the start, I think it makes everyone's job a lot easier. And I, and I know some people might find it difficult to, you know, let that control go. I, I know if you are a really organized person, you pay your rates to your own owner-occupied home really well, you can have a bit of, you can feel a bit nervous about it. We've experienced that with owners and, and there's a trusting there that you need to build over time. But I think uh, maintenance for us, it's $500, like you said, is the limit. We will handle it. We've got fantastic trades that we trust and have trusted for a long time. Um, let us do our thing. Um, we will send you a summary of it. We'll send you photos. We'll, we'll do all that. You'll get a statement every month that shows any maintenance that we've done. Um, if anything, if, if if you'd like, we can send you a quick update once it's done with some photos, no dramas. We can do that. We're set up really well with our systems and our processes to do that. And But the, but the key thing is, like you said, setting that rule up front. Um, and then when it comes to costs, so council rates, water rates, um, insurance, um, most, most of the prop tech that's out there is built to do that, to handle that, to pay that through rent funds that are on hand generate a statement at the end of the month, generate an income and expenditure every year and, and really make it a clean process for, for everyone. Everyone is happy, it's easy, it's cool. But again, that's got to be set up at the start and, and it's got to be made really easy for owners and, and investors to understand. So, Yeah, I love that. I love that. So the, it's, there's some good tips in there, right? Basically, set the rules at the start, right? So decide with your with your property manager, what are the rules that you're going to follow together and how are you going to, how are you going to manage that together so you've got the right systems in place? Because I think it can be so much easier because, you know, it, often people talk about passive income in real estate. And now, can it ever be fully passive? No, but you can get it pretty close if you use a property manager. Like if you, if you use a good property manager and you have set really good rules on how to manage that property together, you can get pretty close. Like you can get to a point where it's like almost hands-free. And it's to the degree that you don't take the time to establish those processes where you're like, I'm going to get the bills sent to me. I'm going to pay the bills myself. Um, I want to approve every single expense. Come to me. It's like you're setting yourself up for loads of work. And it's quite funny because I've spoken to loads of investors and they talk about this, oh, I'll just manage the property myself. And I'm like, have you had some secret ambition or desire your whole life to become a property manager? Oh, No. And it's like, okay, so what, like, why are you taking this job on? Like, what you're trading one job for another job. There's people who are experts in this area, you know, like, oh, like, uh, you know, hire, hire the best people and just get out of the way. So, to to that degree, like, how much do fees come into it? Because I know people people can sometimes get a little bit concerned about the fees, and no one wants to spend money for no reason. But how can people rationalise the their cost association with um, property managers and how much can fees be an indication of quality? Because sometimes you can pay a lot and get garbage too. You need a thing, you know. Oh, <laughs> you know, I'll spend a lot of money 100%. on some really bad meals, <laughs> right? So, uh, so, so how can we? How, yeah. how can how can people rationalise this and how can we kind of like talk through that? Yeah, it's it's a great question. I think you you've got to do your homework and understand who are you know who are the main players in a, in a certain market that you're investing into. You know, you, you can read reviews, you can do all that sort of stuff, and and then you get the you get the conversation about fees and like without going too much into how we tackle that question, it, 
it is so much about, you know, what are you actually getting for that fee? So, and understanding, like you said, that most expensive isn't always best, but cheapest isn't always best either. So, it comes back to, you know, what's the service and what's the value add? Because so much of what property managers do is um, is the same. What's the difference? You know, okay, if that if that agency is charging cheaper, what's their difference to the agency that's charging, um, you know, slightly more versus the one that's, ch- you know, what what is the point of difference? And for us and, and in our team, we we think. You know, it comes back to understanding what every investor and owner is trying to achieve and actually showing them what your point of difference is. And if you're a good property manager, the fee becomes irrelevant because if you can understand what the person that you're dealing with is looking for um, and you can show to them your value, then almost the conversation about fees becomes irrelevant. At the end of the day, like, yeah, when you're talking about percentages across, um, you know, 1% here, a couple of percent here and there, in the whole grand scheme of things, it, it probably, depending on, on the rent of the property and, and the market you're in, it can sometimes be so minuscule that um, it can be irrelevant, but you've got to do your homework and you've got to, you've got to understand where, where these guys are different and, and why um, you think or why they think they're they're the better choice. I think it's also worth putting it in context around like what actually is going on here. So I want to just, I'm just whipping up some quick maths here on the fly because I thought it might help you illustrate the point. So if you've got a, if you've got a five hundred thousand dollar property, right, and let's just say for the point of this argument, it um, point of this discussion, it rents at five hundred dollars a week. Okay, so five hundred five hundred dollars a week, that's going to be twenty six thousand dollars a year, right? So if now I've seen a wide variety of property management uh, percentage fees. Now, this is not factoring in things like letting fees and and, and whatnot, but we'll just go on the property management fee. I've seen them range from, you know, 5% up to t- 10%, and I think I've even seen them higher than 10%, but 10% is on the high end, right, I'd say nationally. So let's say you're paying 10% of rent, right, T- 10% of $26,000. So that's going to be $2,600. So a lot of investors would be like, 10%, 10% of my income. That's a lot of money. Okay, but let's assume that that property, that $500,000 asset goes up by just 5%, just 5 We're not talking rocket ship growth. We're talking pretty like under under average growth. That'd be going up by $25,000. So not only have you gone up by $25,000, but you've also got $26,000 of income coming in. So you've got 25 plus 26 is $51,000 of gain that has been made. And you've paid, um, you've paid $2,600 for somebody to manage to to help you to manage an asset that's given you fifty one thousand dollars, so twenty six hundred uh, divided by fifty one thousand is zero point five percent, maybe five percent. So no, zero point five percent, half a percent basically is what I'm trying to say. I'll trust you. I've got my calculator. I'm going to try. I stuffed up the maths at the last second. Right. Pretty sure it's half a percent, right? <laughs> um, yeah. And so, or maybe it's five percent. Actually, sorry, my mistake. Five percent. So, 5% management fees realistically is pretty darn good, if, particularly if you're actually working with someone who's part of your team, which is what everyone wants to feel. Like, I actually want to feel like I've got a partner here, someone who cares about me and my asset, and someone who's going to be able to act autonomously. So, it's kind of an interesting way to think about it because a lot of people only think about the the income side and don't actually, and forget about the fact they've got an asset, which is, it's a high value asset, right? It's hundreds of thousands of dollars, which is going to make them hundreds of thousands of dollars, and it's a pretty small, um, pretty small price to pay. So, 
let's shift gears a little bit because I want to talk about commercial. What's what are the key differences people should think about um, when looking for a property manager in commercial property? Yeah, so really good question. Um, lots of similarities between the two, but commercial completely different beast than what we're seeing in in our market. And I think speaking to other property managers that, that do commercial around the country, really different beast. So I, I guess the fundamental difference is that every lease for commercial is different. There's different terms, there's different things that different owners, different tenants, different uh, types of tenants are looking at. You factor in council requirements when it comes to all sorts of all sorts of different pieces. So when you're looking for a commercial property manager, I think what you want to what you want to know is what is your market knowledge like? What is happening in the Port Lincoln market, for example, that that you're seeing with, you know, rents? Is it, you know, square meter rates? Can you break that down? Can you give me some comparisons? I'm interested in this property. You know, what sort of tenants would suit that? You know, things like that are, are really important. But then understanding what um, what you're seeing um, different tenancies come to with. So are people looking for uh, rent-free incentives, for example, when it comes to, uh, you know, they might sign a 10-year lease, but they want the first six months free. What, what's what's that? How does that work for me? Is that, you know, has that worked for others? You know, understanding the different sort of intricacies that part of commercial is, is really important. Is it more or less work for the property investor to have a commercial or residential or does it, does it not change anything? No, nah, it, it doesn't change. And I'm, I'm probably going to um, bring it back to the property management sort of piece here. I think if you've got a really good property manager, regardless of the property, it can be very little work for you. Um, provided, like you said, you set your rules up at the start. You know what the goals are from... Well, everyone's aware of what the goals are and what the what what's trying to be achieved. And I think from there, it can, it can really be a, a set and forget and, and let the expert work for you and do what they need to obviously communication and presenting you know what's out there is really important but we're seeing some of our residential owners moving into the commercial space and also some of our big commercial owners you know move back in towards residential it's been really really interesting to see how that's worked you said something key there your big commercial owners are moving into residential so and you said that you're i'm going to push on this a little bit basically smaller time investors residential investors I move into commercial to chase yields, but bigger, larger scale investors with significantly higher value portfolios are starting to move into residential. What do you make of that? Because that actually points to something pretty interesting. Yeah. Like I think just looking at our market here, like we're seeing some really low vacancies across resi. And when we talk to our, our commercial owners, they're seeing, they do their numbers. They they look at what's happening in both fields, both, uh, both areas and- they're interested in okay, what what's happening? What are the tenants doing in res? What's what are the opportunities? I think there's a housing shortage uh, across the country, which I know um, you've discussed at length in, in this podcast and previous episodes. So we've ha- we've got commercial owners with millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of commercial assets in our town that are saying, well, maybe maybe it's a house, yeah, maybe it's a the waterfront house I need to go for, or maybe it's a, the the small two-bedroom, three-bedroom houses that we need to go back into. On the flip side, mum and dad investors, we've seen a few mum and dad investors get together and actually buy into a commercial as a, as a syndicate and say, well, we've, they've got a great tenant in there. Um, we can see what the asking price is. We can see what the yields are. Um, this is a great investment for us. We're really confident. We feel comfortable. And we're having conversations with those sorts of investors and they're saying, well, what, what's happening in terms of tenants? You know, if, if, this became vacant, whether it's in five years or whatever. 
what are you seeing today that suggests to you that this is a good investment? And you know, we can we're ready. We're sort of trying to look at what's happening in the market, what's what the inquiry that we're getting from prospective um, tenancies from a commercial point of view are, and, and giving that feedback so that so that our clients or potential clients can make informed decisions. Awesome, love it. What haven't I asked you that you think people need to know about? property management and specifically making sure they get it right as a from an investor's perspective yeah look i think we've touched on it a little bit but i think property management is a hard job and i think if you if you were to ask me you know where do you see your value uh your profession's value going forward and um you know we talk about technology and artificial intelligence and just the capabilities of this whole tech revolution you can easily be forgiven for thinking um, why would I choose a property manager? You know, why do I need that? So, if you were to ask me, Rav, why why do I need a property manager? My feedback would be, unfortunately, AI is f- fantastic, but it's not going to be able to replace that human element of communication um, and understanding feelings. And so much of that sentiment and feeling, whether it be from tenants or um, potential vendors who are looking to sell or investors can't be interpreted by AI. Maybe one day it will, but it can't be at the moment. And I think having that personal and human touch as a property manager, there's still value for that. So I think, you know, why do you need one? Why do you need a property manager? Why can't I just get the latest tech and do it myself? I think we're seeing there's still such a human element to it and you can deliver good and bad news in an email or you can meet face-to-face or on the phone and, and have that human contact and human conversation and that that just can't be replaced i also think that so it will be able to get replaced just not yet right there we're just having (laughs) the robots will take over eventually (laughs) um you know i for one welcome our robot overlords no but um the 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 other point the other point though is like aside from all of that like aside from the humanness and the service and hard work and all of that kind of stuff that's all that's all very um you know that's that's all well and good, but from an investor's perspective, it's also scalability, right? It's like, yeah, if you buy uh, one property, sure, maybe, maybe you can, maybe you can, maybe you can get, some, maybe you can get a little bit of tech, and you know, maybe they don't call you very often, and maybe you can deal with it, and you can save yourself a little bit of money. But if you want to build a scalable, profitable property portfolio, it's just not, it's not sustainable. You know, it's like you need to be able to find a way that you can build a property portfolio that can grow just like in a business. You need to be able to build a business that can grow without you and run without you. And if you can't, you've just got yourself a job. You know, people talk about that a lot in business. It's like if you if you can't take a, a 30-day holiday, if your business can't run without you, you've just got an expensive job. Same thing goes for property investors. And it's like, well, the, the goal for property investors is to is to create freedom, not to create a new occupation, <laughs> right? Not to yeah, trans- such a good point, Goose. Yeah, yeah you nailed it. Not to transition yeah. from like I'm an accountant and now I'm a property manager. It's like, well, okay, well, you could have just got a job as a property manager if you that, that's what you wanted to do. You know, like that's right. And so I, I really like to think about it like that. And it's about building a world class team. And I think, you know, I think that investors need to also really respect the occupation as well, because I, I do think there's a lot of hard work that goes into it. And a good property manager is is invaluable. Just in the same way that having you know, a great operations manager in your business is invaluable. And I think if people, if investors specifically, rather than thinking about property management as a function, think about it as an addition to the team and then think about what are you, what are you doing as a property investor 
to nurture and get the best out of your team because what you get in is what you get out, right? As well. And so if you can, if you can, if you can, if it's a two way relationship and both parties lean in to build a really great relationship, it could be really mutually supportive. I think you're going to get really, really great results. So, nah, awesome. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. Rav, great to chat with you as always. Really appreciate your time Thanks, and, and all the wisdom you shared. So thanks so much. If people want to track you down, obviously you're in um, you're in Port Lincoln there. But if people are trekking around Port Lincoln, thinking about buying real estate, looking for some property management, where can they reach out to you? Yeah, kemprealestate.com.au is our website. We've also got Facebook and Instagram. Um, contact us, DM, slide in. We're more than happy to help you. Great part of the world if you haven't been there. So yeah, feel free to reach out. Love it. Nice one, Rav. Good to see you. Speak to you again soon. Take care. Thanks, guys. See you, mate.